Hello, and welcome to episode 81 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, we're with the NCP crew, Richard. What was with that accent? <laughs> Luke. You really should have gone more for Big Gay Al. I'm super, thanks for asking. If you could do the show in that voice, for the whole show. You want to do the whole show? Yep. My name is David, and we're with the NCP crew, Richard. Yeah, okay, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> and Crystal. Well, the accent's fine. I just wish it didn't come with a costume. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not like my outfit? French made Freddie outfit, no. <laughs> it's not the French made outfit that concerns me. Why is it pink? <laughs> I like pink. I just like to point out, there's nothing wrong with pink. And uh, we're not here to judge, but I am actually not wearing that outfit. I am, in fact, wearing my... You're tearing, you're tearing us apart, Lisa. No, come on. If you're going to do accents, right. you're tearing me apart, Lisa. Yep, that's the one from uh, from the room. So possibly yeah. the greatest movie ever made, except that it's not. You know, uh, James Franco's production company is going to do a a making of film of it, like the, the story behind the film. Fantastic! When they get to the bit where he fires his entire crew because they don't understand his creative genius. Creative I don't know. Genius. Does James Franco really understand comedy? Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, but the title's already been taken. The best worst movie ever. Yeah, that's true. That was a cool title. <laughs> Anyway, back to the show. We've sort of gotten a bit out of control. Uh, for this episode, we'll be honouring the passing of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Harold Ramis by discussing a selection of their films. Um, and for the second half of the episode, we'll be discussing our picks for the upcoming Academy Awards, uh, the 2014 Academy Awards, which will be shown in Australia in tomorrow night. So, I predict Alan will be hosting. Alan, nice yeah, you, you predict Alan will be hosting. I'm accurate. We, I, you know, I can, I can I'm even pretty put, sure that you're right. I can go even further than that. I predict that some people will win. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're both completely 100% correct, and that's good. The NTP crew, we're always right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm even, sorry. Even when I'm we're... sorry. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I throw these things out for you. And, you know, I'm just glad that you take advantage of it. <laughs> and might I say, you're looking especially fine yeah. today. Thank you. I'm not wearing the pink maids outfit, so... <laughs> when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay, so let's start off with our Popcorn Junkies. Uh, Richo and Crystal are going to be doing the Howard Ramis films, and Luke and myself will be covering... Philip Seymour Hoffman films. And so, and I just got to say, it's uh, before we start with those, it's um, it's a damn shame uh, that these two talented people have have passed. I mean, Philip has, uh, has gone too soon, and uh, and Harold still had many more years of comedy left in him. Um, and having said that, Harold was Harold Ramis was um, actually getting on. He was what. 69. 69? That's still pretty young, so dude. Still, still, pretty young, still pretty young, but, you know. Yeah. Whereas I think the tragedy with Philip Seymour Hoffman is the way that he died. Yeah. It is a shame that the way Philip went, and mm. and I don't know, it's it's, it's kind of hard. I, this is this is not really the forum to discuss, yeah, discuss no. it, I, I suppose. I just, sort of, uh, addiction and, mm. and that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? But it's just, I mean, it's a shame. It's a shame for both of them, and... Uh, mm. you know, and I'm just glad that, that both their legacies will live on. Mm. And uh, we'll discuss that in... Films. So we'll start with Richo and Groundhog Day. As both a writer and director, and to a lesser extent as an actor, Howard Ramis has made some of the absolute defining comedies 
certainly American comedies from, you know, dating back as far as being a co-writer of things like Animal House and Stripes. Um, but for me, his absolute finest moment, both as a writer and as a director, came in 1993 uh, with the release of Groundhog Day, which stars Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, Chris Elliott, and the absolutely brilliant Stephen Tobolowsky. But we'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> Groundhog Day tells the story of Phil, a rather cynical weatherman, um, who every year finds that he has to go to Puxatawney for the Groundhog Day Festival, which is this rather strange American festival where a groundhog comes out and if it sees its shadow, there's going to be a certain amount of extra winter. And if he doesn't see his shadow, there isn't. It's, yeah, it's a very provincial American thing, I suppose. <laughs> and, it's, but, it, um, and it's specific. It's February 2nd that they have to... Yeah. In the month of Feb- in the month of February, I think February second, will they have to do it? It's and they get like an extra month of winter, winter or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Congrats on, on pronouncing the name, dude. I've seen the film a fair few yeah, times. Right. <laughs> if we hadn't seen the film, we wouldn't have had any idea. No, no, twenty. <laughs> so Phil really just doesn't really like going to <laughs> Groundhog Day at all. But uh, what he finds is he, he he arrives there, he spends the day doing what he normally does in his own cynical kind of way, tries to return home that day, but a storm keeps him in town. Oh. Goes to sleep that night, anticipating returning to home the next day, only to find that when he wakes up, he's experiencing Groundhog Day again. It's Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. Um, so every single day he wakes up, he experiences Groundhog Day again and again and again. Due to this, he experiences a whole range of, um, I guess, emotions as he goes through this. At one point, he becomes suicidal and finds numerous ways to kill himself, but still wakes up every day experiencing the same day over yeah, and over it's again. It's never actually, it's never specified just how many times he's done it, but you've got to be thinking it's... It's like a, is it like a year, a couple of years? It's, well, there's, there's a substantial there's, amount of time. Yeah, um, at it's, one, got, it's got to get it's got to get to your, get to your, your mind at some point. At one point, he uh, determines that he is in fact a god because of this. <laughs> but little by little, he begins to actually fall in love with Rita, uh, the producer, played by Andy McDowell. He then through through that he um, becomes starts to become a changed man. He tries to win her over and. That really becomes the focus of the film, um, experiencing the same day over and over again, but really becoming a better man because of it as the film progresses. Mm. The reason why I love this film is, I mean, it came out in 1993 where there was an absolute glut of romantic comedies and they were all essentially the same movie. How they were all... Sally. That's what they effectively yeah. were. Well, that's right. When Harry Met Sally set a certain standard and everybody just copied it, but they copied it in the most superficial of ways. And... Each film, I mean, it really, the formula developed. You watch the first 10 minutes of a romantic comedy to see the setup, come back about the hour mark to see how they break up, come back in the last five minutes or so to see how they get back together again. I mean, this, this was a real, very boring formula that was at play here. Harold Ramis, however, was clever enough to go, well, I can make a romantic comedy, but I can make it with a twist, something interesting, something that will separate it from all of the other romantic comedies and, and something that will give it... Re- re- really a more universal appeal outside of the standard romantic comedy audience. And that's what he's done with Groundhog Day. Casting his good, close, personal friend, um, Bill Murray, um, in the main role, uh, especially the cynical part of it, yeah. uh, was just 
inspired casting because it, it's the kind of character that Bill Murray plays beautifully. Um, the other thing is, it is genuinely funny, and the way the the way that they use the recurring day for comedic purposes mm. is fantastic. Which does bring me to Stephen Tobolowsky, who you might not recognise the name, but you would certainly recognise the face. Um, he's just a great comedic actor. He's never never really a lead actor, but he's just one of those guys that fills out a movie quite nicely. And he plays Ned Ryerson. Needle knows Ned, Ned the head. <laughs> and Bill the shingles real bad. <laughs> Almost didn't graduate. And Bill Murray's interaction with him. Um, in in multiple scenes is for me just one of the the high points of the of the movie. Suffice it to say, um, Groundhog Day is without a doubt one of the best romantic comedies ever produced, especially in the the modern era. Mm. I highly recommend it to everybody, not just you know chick flick fans or anything. It is trust me, anybody that watches this film will enjoy it. It's fantastic, mm. and like I said, for me this was uh, the absolute peak of Harold Ramis's directing. There was like an eight-year period there where Harold Ramis was just gold after gold after yeah. gold, and it's just he it was basically just the master of comedy for that yeah. period. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there yeah. seems to be sort of periods throughout history where certain people sort of take up the mantle. Yeah, you know, Spike Milligan, Mel Brooks, you yeah. know, you know, Sid Caesar, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So sort of had those sort of periods, and yeah. for, for that period, it was Harold Ramis, the yeah. master. Absolutely, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And you're right, Groundhog Day is is Brit. Yeah, it's absolutely. a master class of how to do a comedy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool, awesome. Next up, we've got Crystal with Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? <laughs> oh, that worked. I was going to. Everyone, I was going to uh, instead of me saying the title, get everyone else to say the title. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm so confused. unprofessional. <laughs> no, no, no. What did you want? I'm a, who are you going to call? <laughs> I was like, I didn't realize. It's like you're like grasping for something there. <laughs> That was the first thing that came into your head. We're amateurs. You've got to lead us into these things. It was. I couldn't lead you any. I had little crumbs in my hand. When I was 10 years old, going on 11, a movie came out that I desperately, desperately wanted to see. But didn't see till a couple of years later. That movie was Ghostbusters. I am now, saying no ghosts. I can't go into as much detail as Richo did because, unfortunately, even though I've seen this uh, a thousand billion times i haven't a seen a thousand it. billion <laughs> i haven't seen That's it a lot. i haven't seen it recently enough to be have it at the top of my head but ghostbusters starring dan Aykroyd, harold ramus the other guy and the other guy is ernie hudson ernie hudson yes uh, sigourney weaver and rick moranis <laughs> yeah that bit was actually kind of funny because really that's how he's remembered ernie yeah. hudson as the other guy <laughs> poor ernie Ghostbusters is about busting ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Truth in advertising. <laughs> um, basically, you've got three scientists, friends, colleagues, who run out of money and they need to start up business. Um, and what better business for young three young scientists to start up is to go ghost hunting. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that a compelling be, point. That should be the tag on, on, on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> they... Uh, they they start this business. They find this old uh, abandoned uh, firehouse set up in there. One of them comes up with the the ectomobile, an older an older ambulance that they convert 
That's the coolest siren ever. It is cool. And uh, it is an awesome vehicle. I guess it's one of the great vehicles in um, movies. They decide that they, they need extra help, and um, that's where Winston comes on board. And uh, they've also got their uh, really efficient and interested secretary. <laughs> Played by the awesome Eddie Potts. Ghostbusters. <laughs> we got one! <laughs> About halfway through the movie, uh, Sigourney Weaver comes to them for help, having seen their ridiculous ads on the TV. (laughs) We're here to believe you. (laughs) And uh, this is about when um, Venkman realises that maybe something really is going on, and (laughs) and they start uh, investigating what's going on with uh, Sigourney Weaver's apartment. Um, So the movie progresses until you get to the famous scene with the the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man coming down the avenue. Right. Uh, if someone asks if you're a god, you say yes! <laughs> I tried to imagine something nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, they end up saving New York and, along with that, the world from the paranormal threat. Cruiser the Destroyer! The reason I chose Ghostbusters is because it's my favourite, all-time favourite, Harold Amos movie. The acting in it is, is good, great from him and the other, <laughs> the other guys. Bill Murray, uh, Bill Murray's Peter Venkman's probably my favourite Ghostbuster, but Egon would be my close second favourite just because the, the the straight comedy, the straight man comedy. But it was probably my favourite movie from my childhood after Star Wars. I saw Star Wars when I was much younger, so my favourite middle childhood movie and still holds up today. So Ghostbusters, yeah, go watch it. <laughs> Do yourself a favour. <laughs> what are you um, going to watch? <laughs> yeah, this is this is the Harold Ramis film. I think more than any other that has just become part of popular culture. Even though it's actually directed by Ivan Reitman. Yeah, um, but he but he um, and Dan Aykroyd co-wrote it. Yeah, mm. yeah, and. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the the writing shows through is, and it's the dialogue. I'm not a big fan of the Caddyshack stuff, but the Ghostbusters stuff's really mm. quite good. It, it's, a, it's a much cleverer film, and so so his later films are much cleverer than sort of the Animal House Caddyshack period of his writing. Um, his humour, I think, matures greatly, but um, it's more classy laughs rather than cheap laughs. Yeah. And I think I think because <laughs> one of the th- one of the interesting things about Ghostbusters is that it wasn't written with uh, Bill Murray in mind for Peter Venkman. It was written um, uh, with John Belushi in mind, but then John Belushi yeah, dies, and because Bill Murray was the other popular uh, Saturday Night Live member. Um, and he and Dan Aykroyd were good friends. They cast him, and so it was probably written more towards his sensibilities, which aren't uh, aren't extreme vulgarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which which John Belushi could could do very well when he was on fire. Um, but Bill Murray's a lot more la- a lot more laid back, laconic. Um, and laco- yeah, laconic. Um, it's, it's Bill Murray is sort of the classic sleazy, but yet still lovable. But yeah. there's still something kind of clever and witty mm. about... Yeah, and he's obviously very intelligent. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that, that's that character always appeals to me, that sort of character. Mm. Mm. Uh, and that's the thing, his intelligence always does shine through. So they probably had to rewrite it with him in mind so it didn't it didn't feel unnatural to his personality. Yeah, yeah well, actually, one of my favourite Venkman scenes... I, I, mean, I absolutely adore this film, mm. like all the kids of my generation. Yeah. It's excellently done in terms of... Of just one of those sort of out there concepts mm. that they actually they made work, mm. and uh, and Richard's right. It's just it's just part of 
popular culture now. There's, just, there's no getting around it. Dogs my, and cats living so, together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and the, the amount of quotes from it is insane. I mean, it equals Groundhog Day's quotes yeah. for me. And um, but but talking about Venkman, one of my favourite scenes is actually it's. I mean, he's just a sleaze bag from start to finish, from the start of the like, the opening scene with him is him trying to get into the get some girl using you know fakery. And he's, you know, as soon as he sees Sigourney Weaver, he's, he's all over that. He's like, oh, I've got to get a bit of that. <laughs> but I do really love the scene where he's he goes to her apartment and she's she's possessed by this point. Mm. And he knows she is. Mm. And he's still interested. He's kind of like, <laughs> well, I could possibly take advantage here. But he decides to do the right thing in the mm. end. And he's like, well, we've obviously got to get you some help. You know what mm. I mean? And it's, I, I love that scene. It's great stuff. It's uh, just an interesting... Um note too is for a while now they've been trying to get Ghostbusters 3 up and running yeah and yeah. apparently they're, they're, they're very close now yeah. that was uh, that but, was um, like they were all I saw lots of uh, footage over the past couple of days and they were all up for it yeah I don't think it's going to happen anymore. no it's actually still happening um, yeah. Benny Hudson thought that it was it might now not go ahead because of how Graham is but um, he his words were you can't have it without Harold yeah so mm-hmm. but they are they, are, they have decided Dan O'Connor has, has well, announced took- that they are going to re- rewrite it and, uh, yeah, and definitely it, go ahead. It took him a long time to get um, Bill Murray on board. Well, yeah. he said um, he'll do it if the script's good. He said yeah. Ghostbusters 2 wasn't that great. He'll only yeah. do it if the script's good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully it does go ahead. But, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, there's it, it, absolutely brilliant choices uh, from you guys, Groundhog Day and, uh, yeah. and Ghostbusters. Great stuff. And there's so many others that you could have, could have chosen from. But yeah. well, they, 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 they were the two, pinnacle. There was no other choice for me. There was no other choice. That was the only one. Awesome. So, moving on to uh, Luke and myself with uh, our uh, recollections of Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, an actor, an actor's actor, mm. uh, especially for this uh, this current generation of actors. And it's it's just it was um, he was amazing in everything he was in, mm. in my opinion, at least. Mm. Whether the film itself was any good or not is uh, is a different story. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was in some some ordinary films. But he was always, but he always brought the A game. That's yep. one of the things yep. I liked about. It. And yep. I think the the best example of that is is possibly uh, Mission Impossible Three, mm. which the surrounding story is really not that crap. Terrible um, movie. Yeah. yeah it, well, let's be let's be nice about it. <laughs> it's, it's it's not that. Bad. I was being. It's, nice. it's not Mission Impossible Two. I could be worse. Um, but but he at least, <laughs> but he just really just just dominates. Mm. It's, yeah. uh, it's great stuff. So we'll start with you, Luke. Um. So I've chose. I've gone with Almost Famous. Um, after the the, the, um, the Schmalti debacle that was Jerry Maguire, which, funnily enough, was nominated for you know multiple Academy Awards. I like Jerry Maguire. Well, Jerry. everybody can be wrong from time to time. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. You're just wrong. I like it. I quite um, like Tom Cruise. It's showed the money. Cameron Crowe remembered that he could write and direct and came up with um, The Film Almost Famous in 2000. Autobiographical. It follows the um, the exploits of uh, of a teenager, big music fan in the seventies, who gets the opportunity of a lifetime to write for Rolling Stone back during Rolling Stone's heyday. And played by Patrick Fugit, the young lad um, is in fact invited to follow around the band Stillwater, as they are an up and coming young band led by Billy Crudup as they um, rise through the ranks of um, of the American music scene. And initially starting off uh, wide-eyed and innocent, he's actually brought into the realities of um, the rock and roll world. And that, in spite of the, in spite of a love for the music, there is a lot of hedonism and some not nice shenanigans going on. And people actually use each other. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. It's um, one of the nice things is that it's a charming story, but it's also a very heartwarming one as well. 
It's a feel good. It's a feel good. One of those rare feel good films that actually does make you feel good. It is. It positions you so well from Patrick Fugit's sensibilities um, that you can't help but feel for him when he is kind of betrayed by Billy Crudup three two thirds of the way through the film. It's actually kind of heartbreaking because he has been betrayed, also betrayed to a certain degree by Penny, played by Kate Hudson in one of her first, um, really first major roles. Um, she plays a group. She plays a groupie who's been following Stillwater around since the very beginning, and she herself has been used by the band as well as a bit of a sex pot toy entertainment. This is yeah. It, Cameron Crowe won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, and deservedly so. It's a very well written film, but a nicely paced, very well directed film. The performances are top notch from everyone. Uh, Billy Crudup is excellent. Patrick Fugger is excellent. Kate Hudson is very excellent. Um, but we've got to mention Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman comes into two categories. The leading man in independent films, and then the A-game supporting actor in independent films, but also in uh, A-list films as well here. And that's how he really made his career, really made his money for quite a long time as a supporting actor. And he tended to play them in one of two ways. One, in the high stakes, not, quite, not necessarily evil, but in the high status um, uh, major political business or spy master in the case of Mission Impossible 3. Not always playing the villain in those roles, but sometimes was. Um, and then as the uh, the quite lovable, charming, but slightly grubby, and maybe a touch sleazy, but always still kind of likable, still kind of charming character. And that's what he plays here. He plays Lester Bangs, um, friend and confidant to, young Patrick, to the young Patrick Fugit, as he tries to help him navigate um, the music lifestyle and trying to separate him from... The act from the fantasy that the music world creates through the music, to the actuality of in the way that um, the people act, behave, and treat those around him, even those who might actually be trying to help them. Um, and he brings a lot of warmth to the role. Very rarely act interacts with any of the actors. He actually spends a lot of his time alone in his office or in his room, surrounded by records. And a lot of his conversations actually happen through um, phone conversations. So a lot of the time, he's actually trying to support. Um, the other actors, even when he's not actually there on set or in the room with them. Um, and it's an incredible thing to be able to do because you've still got to form an, an emotional attachment to your other actor when they're not actually there. And he still manages to do that, so it never feels he never feels like he's not out of sequence with what's going on. And yeah, one of his finest performances, I think he does, does it many times. Twister, Boogie Nights, as the first sort of things that pop in my head really but mm. this is where he does it um, and this is sort of where he becomes the charming Philip Seymour Hoffman that we want to follow through um, I'm a big fan of Almost Famous um, it's a, it, even though it's a multi-generational thing it actually does speak to very well young young people and particularly young men growing up and growing old and the dangers of meeting your heroes effectively mm. um, yeah can't, can't recommend this enough and yeah see this over Jerry Maguire absolutely <laughs> Well, I agree with that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's, it's, you know, Jerry Maguire is better than all those players. I'm just oh. saying Jerry Maguire is not that bad. Also, an excellent soundtrack. Oh, Cameron Crowe oh, yeah. Crow himself is almost as famous for his music knowledge as he is for um, his films and his screenplays, and never more clearer than in this film. Mm. You know, if any sort of any big '70s band, um, and they've probably got a song on the, on this soundtrack somewhere. Awesome. I agree with everything you said. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Luke. Um, I'll be co- I'll be covering uh, Capote, which is um, one of 
Philip's biggest roles, uh, and it's it's his it's his leading man role. Um, he also, I, I was think I was tossing up between covering this and and another film of his that the only and I, I got to admit the only reason I didn't cover the other films because I was too scared to pronounce the name. So it's the 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 New York one, the blood, the something something New York. Sinokshche or something. I don't know. I can't oh, pronounce Sinodosh. it. Yeah, Sinodosh. There you go. Um, which is brilliant, mm. brilliant stuff. Mm. Um, but there you go. I didn't want to embarrass myself, but I just did anyway. So I should have just done it. Um, so no, the other reason, the other reason I wanted to to, to cover Capote is because I actually hadn't seen it mm. up until we decided to do this. And if you're talking about Capote, given you know it, it is it, talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman, you kind of someone's got to talk about Capote. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, Capote is it's obviously a biographical film, and uh, it's it's based on Truman Capote during his period uh, where he was writing, uh, doing the research, and then writing the book In Cold Blood, which was based on uh, some murders that happened in uh, southern United States, uh, I believe Alabama or Louisiana or something like that. Um, and for some for some whatever for whatever reason, the, these murders really captured uh, Truman's. Uh, Imagination. And he sort of so he sees them while he's sort of flipping through the paper, you know, just over breakfast, and uh, he just becomes fascinated with it. Uh, so he travels down there with his with his childhood friend Harper Lee, who uh, during the course of this story would become famous herself for uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, um, and uh, it basically just it, the film itself just just covers generally that period. Uh, so it stops uh, at basically at the, at the end of the film is the execution of the of the the two criminals. Um, which is not giving anything away. It's a historical fact, so, <laughs> so it wasn't a spoiler enough to call spoiler alert. Now, Truman Capote, to, to me, is a fascinating character. Um, I mean, he's, the fact that he's a real person is just it just blows my mind. And uh, the chance to have met him would have been amazing. Uh, it's just he wasn't he wasn't perfect by any means. He was a very deeply flawed person. Um, and uh, I'm not necessarily saying that I would have liked him as a friend, uh, but the chance just to meet him and sort of have a conversation with with him would have been awesome. And one of the one of the major reasons why, other than what Luke said about how this is, I mean, this is pretty much Philip Seymour Hoffman's defining role. Mm-hmm. Um, the one of the other reasons I want to do is because I actually don't like biographical type films. I actually, I have a very a pretty strange opinion of acting. Um, and uh, since I'm not an actor, I can I can it doesn't matter. I, I could be right. I could be wrong. It doesn't really matter. Um, but actually, I'm not a big fan of actors who who betray real people. Um, I just don't really consider that to be really acting. I consider it more to be mimicry more than anything else. Uh, good acting for me is someone who can bring a fictional character to life and I can believe in them just like I would believe in a real person. That's not to say... I agree with you to some extent. Sometimes it is mimicry. Sometimes the actor actually does become the other person. But I think the hardest part is actually seeing a different person portray the person that you're used to. So if they don't look quite right, it's just never going to work. Yeah, that is a factor, I suppose. Um, I, I'm not saying. I mean, I'm not saying I don't respect the acting process in terms of, of people who do these sort of roles. I mean, it's uh, you know Ray and you know Meryl stuff Street, like Street, Lindy Chamberlain. Yeah, you know all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's not. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying I could do it. I just I prefer a fictional character coming to life than a real life character. Yeah, and I, I actually agree to a certain extent. It's a fine line, mm. I think, between mimicry and actually transforming yourself into that person yeah and the truly great you know biopics are the ones where the actors can actually step beyond that and, and become the person that they're and portraying michael douglas did a fantastic job as Liberace. yeah yeah see i mean it's some highlights for me would be yes michael douglas as, as Lou Ratchie. um 
uh, Harold Mirren as Queen Elizabeth, mm-hmm. I thought was absolutely magnificent. You know, but I mean, Meryl, Meryl Streep, as much as I love her, Meryl Streep as Lindy Chamberlain for me just didn't work. But Meryl Streep as but Mer- Meryl Streep as uh, Karen Silkwood is pretty amazing. Yeah, well, I think um, I, I don't know enough about Karen Silkwood to really comment, no. I suppose. But yeah, I mean, um, the performance itself is awesome. Yeah. But getting back to, to Philip, obviously. Um, uh, so all that being said, this is uh, a performance of a lifetime. This is unbelievable, and uh, and I believe sort of transcends what I would consider to be mimicry, um, and sort of and has. It's, it was just—it's fascinating to watch because it has. Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of footage of Truman Capote because I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, so it's—it has—he has his mannerisms down pat, mm. and you know, the voice is what is one aspect. The voice is really not that hard, I suppose. But he had, but he, the mannerisms, just to a T, but also manages to sort of infuse a little bit of Philip Seymour Hoffman into it. Mm. And that's these are the sort of, these are the times when I think that this really works the most. Um, he's not just a carbon copy, and uh, it's it's mesmerising. Um, the the only real shame to this is, for me is the actual story itself is really not that interesting. Um, it's I mean I, I know all about the story of course, but uh, the actual background behind it, and I just think that the way it's portrayed in this film doesn't isn't quite up to Philip's standard. Mm. It's it kind, of, it kind of drags a bit when really it should be popping, mm-hmm. um, and it's just there's only so much you can you, you want to get from your actors. I mean, there's, there's only so much the actors can carry, mm-hmm. um, and uh, everybody in this film is excellent. And, and that's and that's a sort of so I guess is the downside is that you have, I mean, Phillips in the in the role of his life, uh, Catherine as Harper is also excellent. Um, the gentleman who plays um, Truman's uh, boyfriend, I guess you'd call him his his, his companion. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's, he's also excellent. It's just the story itself uh, kind of drags a bit for me um, until that final moment when uh, Truman is talking about the you know the end. That basically, is because it's just just happened. He's just witnessed the executions and uh, just the brilliant line. Whereas I just there was nothing I could do for them, and Harper actually responds with, "That's that's possibly true, but the fact is that you didn't want to." I I, I highly recommend that you watch it purely for Philip's performance um, to, to really see a master at work. Yeah, I remember when, when he was nominated for Capote, I was wrapped. And when he won, I just thought, yep, yeah, this is this is just so right to finally see him get that recognition. Hmm. Um, you got to remember, he was up against Heath Ledger for Brokeback Mountain, so it yeah, wasn't yeah. Uh, you know, an easy year. It was the other top-notch performance. Yeah, exactly right. It's funny, when I was watching this, it, uh, so when I finished watching... The only other film that I had on my iPad was um, The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Okay. So so I started watching that. I, mean, I was a bit depressed. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll start watching this. It might liven me up a bit. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and then sure enough, Philip Seymour Hoffman's it. And I didn't know, because I'm, I'm not that big a fan of the Hunger Games films and or books. And um, But uh, I'm a Jennifer Lawrence fan. And so, so I started watching it. And, and sure enough, there he appears. And, and, it's like, and it just sort of tweaked me. It's like, oh, my God, that's right. The, the next Hunger Games films... Ah, his final films. Yep. And it's like, what a travesty. That's a um, but, uh, no, but actually, I do have to say, although the film itself is kind of meh, it's not terrible, but it's, you know, it's, it's okay. Once again, he's performance. Mm. It's, it's just, you know, just it's well and truly. I mean, there's, there's a scene where, where he's with Donald Sutherland. I mean, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Donald the man Sutherland. And it's just, and it's hard to pick 
who's pulling it off the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's it's pretty amazing stuff. So he yeah. just so he gave his all, no matter what the film he was. So that's basically that's our tribute to uh, tribute to um, Phyllis Hopin and uh, the late great Harold Ramis. Um, I guess I speak for the rest of the crew, and I, I just say I implore you to check out uh, their work. If if you really want to see how it's done, then uh, these are the two people that you would turn it to. So, and our condolences to their families. Coming up next, our Academy Awards special. So it's a bit of a tradition on the on NCP where we uh, talk about the Academy Awards. It's a pretty important uh, award in the entertainment circles. Um, we don't bother covering you know, the Golden Globes and all that sort of stuff because it, it would just be too much. And the less said about the Logies, the better. Oh. You know, <laughs> our, our national embarrassment. But uh, the Academy Awards, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty important to a lot of people. So uh, we're going to go through them. So we're not going to cover the entire thing because we don't have three and a half hours like they do. Um, so, but we will be covering Best Picture, Best Actor, uh, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Director. Remember a while back where they started, they were starting doing Best Male Actor, Best Female mm. Actor? Mm. Let's try this political correct. It's gone bad! But bad. Yeah, I'm glad they're going back to it. Um, so, going through it. So, what, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to list uh, what the nominations are, and then we're going to go around and talk about who we think will actually win it, and who we actually would prefer to win it. Okay, so Best Picture, we've got American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Dallas Buyers Club, Gravity, Her, Nebraska, Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, and The Wolf of Wall Street. So, starting off with Richo. Well, I think 12 Years a Slave is going to win. It is the big Oscar bait movie of the year, and I think actually this is going to be a fairly predictable year in general. I think 12 Years a Slave is going to win, however, I don't think it should win. I found it to be a very cold and detached movie. Um, it presented, obviously, the horrors of slavery and a truly horrific that it is. Um, but I found myself a little bit detached from the main character, and so I wasn't quite drawn into it outside of, oh, my God, slavery is horrible, and I can't imagine what these people were going through. I, um, I mainly agree. I actually don't even, you didn't even show that much in the way of the horrors of slavery. I don't think it went far enough. I think it was a sanitised version of slavery is bad. Mm. What, what I think it needed, though, was a greater connection to the main character to really draw you into what he personally was experiencing and what was actually happening. A fine Um, performance hampered by a lack of character. And there's a lot of fine performances in the Mm. film, Mm. um, but they're almost in spite of the script. It's a controversial comment, but actually I think Drabi is a Slave is highly overrated. Yeah, I I found it... I was a little disappointed with it myself. Um, The film that I wish would win... Um, which is actually, I think, the complete opposite of that is the Dallas Buyers Club, which t- completely drew me into the main character's story, and I really felt f- for everything that he was going through. Um, he wasn't necessarily a likable character in any way, but, you know, certainly early on especially, but I, I really felt for what he was mm. experiencing and then what he tried to do with that. Um, yeah, so so for me, that was just the stronger uh, character story, and I, I really hope that... Um, yeah, you know, th- that it isn't quite as predictable as I think it will be, and that I'd love to see the Dallas Buyers Club win. Um, I've seen every single film on that list, barring Captain Phillips. I think I agree. 12 Years a Slave will win. I would accept all the other films, barring Captain Phillips, because I haven't seen it, of course, um, over that. It's really been nominated, and it's going to win because of its subject matter. 
not because of the qualities of the filmmaking itself. Yeah. He's, uh, Richard's already talked about the detached sensibilities, particularly Steve McQueen's directing, but it's also a very flat-looking film in terms of its cinematography. People are raving about the look of it because of, you know, the savannas and things like that, but if you actually examine it from a, photograph, from a photography perspective, depth is all out, it looks quite flat. Hmm. Performances in it are not as strong as it should be. They are good performances, but because... A week's because of the week script, they are they are actually quite hampered. I, like I said, I want the one the two films that I actually think um, are the best film are American Hustle and Dallas Buyers Club. And if either one of those two films one would have no issues with whatsoever, I'd accept all the other films, Gravity, um, Philomena, Her, Above, Twelve Years a Slave, because all those other films are much more enjoyable to varying degrees. Yep. Um. The only film I've seen on this list is Gravity, and I, while I really enjoyed it, um, putting aside the scientific inaccuracies, um, <laughs> the film itself I quite enjoyed, um, I highly doubt that it would win, given that genre films very rarely do win. Yeah. Um, I have to disagree. I don't, I don't think 12 Years a Slave is going to win. I think the Dallas Buyers Club might win, just going on buzz, what I've heard. I mean, the, the slavery stuff has been explored quite a bit in movies over the years, whereas the Dallas Bias Club and AIDS and the controversy hasn't really been delved into all that much. And I think that might be a bigger political cause and people might go for that a bit more. I hope you're right. Mm. Wow, that's, that is such a good point. It's, I mean... Uh, Transgender and sort of lesbian, gay, but that's I mean, that, yeah, but it's see, all the sort of all the current buzz at the moment with gay, gay marriage and and and, um, and I also agree hundred percent. Oh, well, not sorry, hundred percent, but about ninety percent with what you're saying in terms of Dallas Buyers Club and the message that it's got. It is mm. a superior film. The um, a lot of that, the Oscar, the Academy tends to be quite conservative. Yeah, is that look but, and um, but um, it's a big thing at the moment. Uh, the, it's actually kind of parallel because you've got 12 Years a Slave and, the sla- as I say, the slavery aspect has been dealt with in movies quite a bit. Being gay is kind of the new being ostracised. They're, they're a minority and they're discriminated against and I think in about 50 years' time we might look back and say, I can't believe we treated people this way. And, yeah. and it's the big buzz thing at the moment, and, and I think you would get a lot of people on site if you supported that sort of area. I see where you're coming from, and like I said, I hope you're right. Um, I think, though, it could also work, because it is such a polarising topic, it could also potentially work against the film as far as getting votes. Um, it could. Having said that, I, I would really like people to just to vote for which movie they thought was the best, not what topic <laughs> should win. Yeah. 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 And all those, excellent I, points. Um, and if I was voting, it would be Dallas Buyers Club. It's a, it's a world of a made film, well acted film, well written yeah. film, yeah. Um, and it is actually the superior film of the lot. And like I said, American Hustle is the second best of, on this list. Well, I actually disagree with that. I actually thought American Hustle, just like 12 Years a Slave, was incredibly overrated. And uh, I actually got bored during American Hustle. Yeah. I think the performances were excellent, mm. but the story was was right down there. And, and the moment where the. Uh, I don't know if it's... It's probably too early still to reveal the, the, the cameo. Uh, yeah. I, I thought the cameo was jumping the shark. I was like, that's it, I'm done now. Okay. I've heard a lot of people call it that wig movie. Yeah. The wigs are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the wigs are I mean, awesome. And the, the performances are magnificent. I mean, I, I, I love yeah. Christian Bale. I, I, I love Amy Adams. I love Bradley Cooper. I, I love everybody in it. 
I just the, but the and film itself. And you've already mentioned earlier in the yeah. show how much you love Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, so. well, of course. <laughs> ah. Chris but, Hemsworth uh, was in it. It'd be just a. I know Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> and Chris Hemsworth together in a film. And my God, anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so actually, but but like I like I actually I mean I actually do think Clubby is a stable win, and I I agree with all of you when I say it doesn't deserve it. I think it's, it's like I said, it's highly overrated, and it is it's actually quite boring, well, which is a shame because some of the performances. Uh, are very very good don't especially like one don't like me in there because I haven't seen it I, I, I might love it I'd say like most of you you said all okay disclaimer most <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah especially one performance which uh, we'll get into later but um, it, it doesn't deserve to win mm-hmm. and but it will mm-hmm. it, it will win and it, it is a shame um, I am torn on what I actually think what I what I wanted to win I mean I I absolutely adored The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I mean, despite myself, I just thought it was, I thought it was just comedy gold. And it's, I mean, it was just, and the way I sort of, I try to look at films these days is, is not really how the Academy looks at films. Actually, I would rather go with stuff that entertains me. Yeah. And I was entertained from, from the opening shot to the end shot. Okay. Um, it's just great stuff. I also quite liked her. Um, yeah, that was good. And, uh, and like all of you, like most of you, uh, Dallas Buyers Club is excellent. Mm. I mean, it would be a damn shame if uh, 12 Years a Slave wins over any of those. Mm. You know what I, mean? I just hope that God, Gravity doesn't win. Please don't let Gravity win. I, I, think, Crystal made a, I think Crystal made a good point yeah. earlier that um, it's it's a genre film and... It'll win, I mean, it's already going to win cinematography. It'll, we yes. all know it'll it is. win all the technical... Yeah, it'll win all the technical stuff. It'll win and I think it should. And it should. it should. It should. There's no doubt <laughs> about it. But it wasn't the best film. Oh, God, I hate that film. I think we've pretty much covered Best Picture. Let's move on to Best Actor. So our nominations for Best Actor are Christian Bale for American Hustle, Bruce Dern for Nebraska, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wolf of Wall Street, Luke, 12 Years a Slave Guy, uh, Chewie Elijah for, and Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. Okay. I just want to say, first off, that what an absolutely fantastic year for actors. Mm. Like, there's just mm. really good performances across the board here. However... As good as the performances are, mm. from all of the actors mentioned, Matthew McConaughey is going to win, mm-hmm. and more importantly, Matthew McConaughey should win. Yep. His performance in the Dallas Buyers Club is brilliant. It's a career-defining performance for him. Have you seen Mud? No. I actually prefer Mud. I, I have seen Mud, and I like it, and I think he's terrific in it. That's him sort of getting back to the type of character that he's used to playing, that sort of that lovable... The, um, but with an extra level, though. With an, with an extra level, don't with get me wrong. extra level. Don't get me wrong. He's really good in mud. Yeah. This is him doing something completely yeah. different. Yeah, fair This but is almost transformative. Anyway. And, yeah, the physical transformation. When I first saw him, I thought, oh, my God, he looks like he's going to die. Yeah. Like, it's literally what he's done to himself in to 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 play the character. Um, in Dallas, by and the Academy loves stuff. that. Mm. Yeah, you know, so the Academy and, loves that, mm. and justifiably so. But I, th- I think a good way to put it, based on what you said about Mud, based on Dallas Buyers Club, based on his fantastic cameo in um, The Wolf of Wall Street, is um, <laughs> basically la- last year was <laughs> la- last year was really Matthew McConaughey's year. Oh, um, Matthew McConaughey has just is, been on fire. Uh, um, um, unbelievable streak at the moment. Mm. He's just he's just on yeah. fire, especially now with uh, with. TV show True Detectives his performances has just have stunned me everything from his I actually think it started with Magic Mike strangely yeah. enough which, yeah. which I didn't wasn't that big a fan of the film but his performance is still so from then on Magic Mike onwards it's a mm. brand new Matthew McConaughey and yeah, Bernie he's, 
Um, okay. With yeah. um, Jack Black, who plays yeah. the DA trying to prosecute Bernie. Yeah. He actually does a good job in that too. Yeah. So Basically, what's happened over the last 12 months or so is that Matthew McConaughey has gone from being a joke about a guy who can like not keep his shirt buttoned up. Yeah. He still gets that shirt off. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah, but let's face it, when you've got a torso like that, you'd be showing it off. But he's gone from being just that joke yeah. to, damn, we forgot that this guy is actually a really good actor. Yeah. Um, he's, gone back, he's gone back to a time to kill level, like mm. a time to kill, mm. I think was, was the first performance I ever saw for him where I was like, oh, this guy actually can keep his shirt on and act. Yeah. Contact. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, plays a priest, absolutely. he's not going to get his shirt God, off. I hate contact. I love contact. I mentioned contact. Great film. <laughs> Um, yeah. the only the only other possible contender this year, I think, would be Bruce Dern, yeah. just because he's getting on in years and he is a great actor. That you know, they they might go with the nostalgia vote, yeah. but I think and and in another year, I think Bruce Dern would have got it because his performance in Nebraska is very good. Yeah. However, this is Matthew McConaughey's mm. year, no doubt about it. Yeah, I really can't disagree with that. Um, his performance is the standout. It it is the one that's going to win because it's gotten so much praise. It is the one that deserves to win. I have a problem with... I like Bruce Dern, but I reckon he should be a best supporting actor because I think Will Forte is the um, the main character in Nebraska. Yeah, agreed. Um, I have, have, have heard that be said. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, don't get me wrong, Bruce Dern is, is magnificent. He does yeah. a really good job. Um, but Will Forte is the main character. Chiwetel for I like him as an actor, and I have since I saw him in Dirty Pretty Things many moons ago. Um, he is a good actor. The, unfortunately, because of the script, he's left with nothing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think he should have been nominated. I personally would have nominated Idris Elba for Mandela, not because I think Mandela is a good film, but I think Idris Elba's performance um, actually rises above the inadequacies of the film, and he makes the most of what he's got. I like Christian Bale a lot, but and, and I think he does a good job in American Hustle. And who was the other one you mentioned? Leonardo. A wonderfully over-the-top performance, and it's so nice to see Leonardo finally stop playing the angsty, scowly characters that he's been playing for ten years and start to play um, more likeable, out-there characters. But um, not this year. Matthew McConaughey actually deserves to win this. I haven't seen any of these ones, but I agree Matthew McConaughey will win. However, as a sentimental favourite, I think I'd prefer Bruce Dern to win. Fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah, it's total consensus. I think I think Matthew McConaughey should mm. and will win. Mm. Um, oh, one, one more thing. I, I, I do like nowadays that you don't have to westernise your name anymore. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, there is there is a bit of buzz that Leonardo might win, um, mainly because he hasn't before, and um, ah, the point system. Yeah, and and I hope that's not the case. I mean, as much as I love Leonardo's performance, yeah. I think I think it's it's magnificent. And it's, I'm a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan. Um, I just think he's had better performances. Yeah, um, I think I think he's as, as much as I love his over the top performance in The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. It really does work on one level, yeah. Right, and that level is completely over the top. Whereas um, Matthew McConaughey's just got so much more depth to his yeah, performance. That's so. exactly that's exactly what I was going to say. So yeah. thanks for saying it for me. Awesome. <laughs> There's previous previous roles where Leonardo should have won, and I just and I just think we'll see that again. I mean, Leonardo will be will have that performance again. Well, Scorsese's going to use him in multiple other movies. He's, well, it's not, he's his it's it's not just Scorsese, but yeah, but I mean, I mean, he is, he's, new, yeah. he's muse, yeah. But, but uh, Scorsese certainly seems to get the best out of him. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And he's just, you know, the only way is up. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really do hope Matthew gets it. Mm. If, 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 if only just for, not only because he deserves it, because it's magnificent, mm. but it's just, it's just a, 
I, God, I hope he gets up on stage and rips his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I deserve this. I'm just, I'm just hoping he's he's like looking healthy again. I'm hoping yeah. that he's because he certainly wasn't looking healthy yeah, in Wolf well, of Wall Street. He, he doesn't either. look too healthy in in uh, True Detective either. <laughs> or the trailer for Interstellar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now moving on to Best Actress. The nominations for Best Actress are Amy Adams for American Hustle, Kate Blanchett, Australia's own Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine, Sandra Bullock for Gravity, Judy Dench for Philomena, and Meryl Streep for August Osage County. Yeah, Meryl Streep. Her name just goes on mm. every year. I think <laughs> just like they leave a blank space for whatever movie. I love, she's I love in, one of her it. quotes is. is uh, Surely you people must be getting sick of the sign of me by now. Having said that, you have got Judy Dench, Kate Blanchett, and even Amy Adams now mm. is is popping up a lot. Um, look, the general consensus is, and I must admit, I haven't seen Blue Jasmine, mm. but the general consensus is is that uh, Kate's performance in Blue Jasmine is going to win it for her. Mm. The possible thing that could work against her is um, this anti Woody Allen backlash that's happening. Yeah. At the moment, um, I don't, I don't think but I don't. I don't think it will. I think. I think Kate will. Yeah, and and look, Kate Blanchett is probably the preeminent actor of of this age, right? Actress of this age, right now. I mean, she's she's killing it in performances left, right, and center. So I, I have no problem with her winning at all. There's a part of me that would like to see Amy Adams win because she's just been really good in a lot of films. Mm, yeah. But I think Kate's got this one. Um, I agree. I haven't seen Blue Jasmine, but I think Kate will win it. I'd- there's a part of me that would like to see Judy Dench um, win it. I think she does a really nice job in Philomena. But yeah, I think Kate's going to win it. I agree. I think Kate will win it. Um, it. I do think Sandra Bullock pulled off a much better performance in Gravity than she did in The Heat. <laughs> um, no one pulled off anything in interesting the in The Heat. Have you seen um, The Heat? Yes. We tried to watch it the other night. And we we turned it off after the first twenty minutes. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible oh. stuff. Um, uh, and I do I do love that. Uh, Someone of Judy Dench's age is still getting good meaty roles. Yeah. Um, for for a woman, and I'd hate to have to say that because in this day and age, it shouldn't just shouldn't matter. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my pick would be Kate Blanchett. Even though I haven't even seen it, she's the Oscar darling this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I also haven't seen Blue Jasmine, which is it's oh. kind of strange. But because um, I just can't stand Woody Allen films, um, at least modern Woody Allen films. But uh, yeah, I also think she's going to win it. I mean, it's, it's, it seems to be the firm favourite. Uh, I also haven't seen Massage County, so but yeah, every 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 listener will know how much I adore Meryl Streep. You know, but she's she's won enough. I mean, come on, let somebody else have a go. No, she's won she actually, been nominated enough. Yeah, she actually hasn't won that. No, that's she's been nominated enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Australia's own Kate Blanchett. So moving on to Best Supporting Actor, uh, Barkhad Abdi for Captain Phillips. Bradley Cooper for American Hustle, Michael Fassbender for 12 Years a Slave, Jonah Hill for The Wolf of Wall Street, and Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, never thought I'd find myself saying this, but the Academy Award should go to Jared Leto, and it will go to Jared Leto. You right? Yeah. Yep. In, in, a, in a film dominated by a brilliant performance by Matthew McConaughey, the fact that Jared Leto's performance actually stands out, and in fact, in some instances dominates the performance by Matthew McConaughey, hmm. I, I think he should win this. His performance is amazing, and I'm, I just I can't believe it. Like, I'm actually shocked by how good he was. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Jared Leto does a phenomenal job. I like Bradley Cooper. Michael Fassbender twirls his moustache. Haven't seen Captain Phillips. 
I'd give this one to Jared Leto. I don't actually have much to say about this lot because I haven't haven't seen any of the films and I haven't really heard any much buzz about the supporting actors, so I don't really have an opinion there. It's cool. Um, I actually give this to uh, Barkhad Abdi, to be honest with you. I, I actually think he might pull this off. I mean, Jared does a, an excellent, excellent job. I don't deny it. Uh, but I just think Barkhad just, just brings an extra level, I think, especially considering that he's not even a professional actor. Hmm. Who I want to win, shockingly enough, is Jonah Hill. <laughs> because his performance is just so ridiculous, but he just he just he just gives it his all. You know? <laughs> I, just, I just think Jonah should stop doing this these stupid, crappy comedy things that he does. You mean the money makers? Yeah, the money makers. He should stop doing the ones that actually pays bills. <laughs> start doing some stuff where he actually has some meat behind them. You know, I eat your Moneyball. You know, and the Wolf of Wall Street type stuff. You know, what I mean, I mean, Moneyball bored me to tears, but he was still awesome. So, you know, I know he's not going to win. I'm not an idiot, but I hope he does. Okay, next up is Best Supporting Actress. Uh, we have Sally Hawkins for Blue Jasmine, Jennifer Lawrence for American Hustle, Lupita Nyong'o for 12 Years a Slave, Julia Roberts for August Osage County, and June Squibb for Nebraska. Okay, once again, this will go to 12 Years a Slave. And to be honest, to be fair, um, you know, it is a very good performance. It is a very powerful performance. Um I'm actually more interested in her story than I was in the main character story. Hmm. And I would have actually more focus on her would have probably made me appreciate the film a lot more. Um, what she goes through is truly harrowing. Um, you, know, the, uh, you know, the scenes of her being raped, scenes of her being whipped. I mean, there's some really nasty stuff. And she gives it her all in this performance. You know, there's a, there's a part of me that would love to see June Squibb win because she is just hilarious, absolutely hilarious in yeah. Nebraska. She's gold. Um, but I, I I think this will go 12 years or five. Yeah, kind of much more than that. I agree. I actually think June Squibb should win it. She dominates every scene she's in. Um, and she, you know, she does what a supporting actress is meant to do, support the main cast. Um, but it probably will go to 12 years or five. I actually thought that, you know, performance is performance is good, but it doesn't actually support hmm. so much. She uh, she is she's just there, and you know, getting beaten up, which is you know nasty. Don't get me wrong, but June Scoop actually brings something to the role and to the film. Yeah, same this one. I have no opinion because I can't. I haven't heard any buzz about these people, and I haven't seen any of the films. So moving on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I. I I both think that it will go to Lupita, and that I think she deserves to get it. Mm. Um, there's a slim chance that Jennifer Lawrence might get it, but she's she's already had a couple. She she, she got she won for um, Silver Linings Playbook, so her points have dropped down to zero again. She's going to have to accumulate <laughs> I gotcha. more points. I gotcha. Um, um, and she is good. She's she does like everybody else in the film. She does a great job. She actually um, steals a couple. But of I don't think she's. Well. I don't think she's really a supporting actress. That's, that's the thing. I, like, I mean, I really agree with what you're coming about that they should. Support it. The supporting actors should support the main actors, mm. but I don't mm. think she does. I think it's actually a bit of a competition between her and Amy, Amy on who is actually is the main actress. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's what you really meant to do. Mm. So, I, um, yeah, but uh, I really, really hope Lupita wins it because she's she dominates in a film that's it's um, lifeless film, mm. and she's the only one that actually brings any life to it. Yeah. And finishing up with best director, uh, David O. Russell for American Hustle, Alfonso. <laughs> Sorry, that rhymes. <laughs> Alfonso Cuaron, yeah, Cuaron or Cuaron. 
I think it's Quauron, actually. Quauron. Yeah. For Gravity, Alexander Payne for Nebraska, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, and Martin Scorsese for The Wolf of Wall Street. I think... I can't, I'm sorry, I just now I can't get the Russell and Hustle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just got... You've ruined it for me. Ruined it! David or Russell for American Hustle. <laughs> oh, God, I hope that's what they do. He should do a Dr. <laughs> Seuss film. <laughs> Yeah, this is actually a a slightly harder one for me. Um, I think Kuran will win because, and I think he should, because I think Gravity is the most interestingly directed movie of all of the films. Uh, The the, the directing on a lot of the other movies, on Nebraska, on 12 Years a Slave, it's it's a lot simpler. There's not a lot of interesting things happening. Pedestrian. Uh, yeah, a bit of a point-and-click mentality on some of these films, I must right. admit. But um, yeah. But having said that, uh, you know, I, I look at the best director winners over the last few years, and you know, when, when you're giving it to to films that are very pedestrian directing, when the more interesting and stylized directing films aren't actually winning, which is why I'm sort of hesitant to say that he will win, because I think once again. 12 Years a Slave and, and Steve McQueen, they could just give it to it because of the subject matter, um, even though I don't think it's a very well-directed film. So I will say uh, Coron should win, and I'll tentatively give him my he-will-win vote. I think he should, and he will win. The only other really contender for that for me, that one on, a, on that list, is Scorsese. I actually think the director of Dallas Buyers Club, Jean-Marc Vallée, should have been nominated as well. Agreed. He does a better job than a couple of the directors there. Um, but I'm giving it to Quaron with Scorsese's an outside chance. I think it's a toss-up between McQueen and Scorsese. Oh, actually, I'm going to mirror Luke exactly. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm. As much as I dislike Gravity. Gravity is a There's direct- no denying that it's very well directed. directed <laughs> Gravity is a director's vision. Yeah. Mm. First yeah. and foremost. And Martin well, Scorsese, this is the sort of film he could do in his sleep. We well, had yeah, so it's uh, called Goodfellas, <laughs> but, but, and it's a, it's it's an interesting return to form, and it's the sort of sort of thing that he should be doing more of. And I I, I want Martin to win, I do, but I don't think he will. Having said that, he did win a few years ago for The Departed, so yeah, which once you know, he had better points. films than that. So, so you know, yeah, but the the problem there is that, <laughs> that the films that he should have been winning for date back to like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and Goodfellas and you and know, I mean, the start of his career. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Well, what I'm saying is there are so many films that he should have won for that he didn't. That at least he won for something. Actually, I take it back. I want David Russell, David O. Russell to win because they could come up with so they could actually say David O. Russell for American Hustle. <laughs> I do have to admit, I was a bit startled the first time I heard Steve McQueen's name. I thought, what? Yeah, I thought he yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a different guy. Okay, so that's it for our Academy Awards f- special. Um, the follow-up will be in our next episode, episode 82, with uh, Bo and myself, where we'll talk about who actually did win and uh, what we thought about that. Uh, so coming up next, coming soon. In Australian Cinemas, March 6th, we get 300 Rise of an Empire. No! Uh, tracks? Yeah. All is lost. Mm. Fatal honeymoon. What? God damn it! <laughs> and Vampire Academy. God damn it! Even more. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I don't know about this Vampire Academy. I mean, it looked like total garbage. But then it's like, oh, it's from the director of Mean Girls and the writer of Heather's. Yeah. So I'm hoping that means that it's actually going to be something a bit more than what me. the trailers and things suggest. I don't think it will, man. It doesn't help me at all. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think it will. But Heather's is awesome, and Mean Girls is actually better than. 
you know, well, I mean, what I thought I, it would I, be. One of, the, one of my co-workers, her daughter is, you know, or at least was in her younger years, was a huge Vampire Academy fan and swears that they're actually well-written. But I don't know anybody else who's read them, so I can't really go. <laughs> but the film just looks terrible. 300, don't care. No. Uh, tracks, meh, maybe. And all is lost, boring. So, anyway, moving on. Uh, oh, don't forget that all of our contact details are actually now at the end of the show. Um, so if you wish to contact us about uh, anything, any feedback, anything you've got, please uh, listen in to the end of the show and uh, find all the varied ways that you can contact us. And do so. We love feedback. Love it. So that's it for episode 81. That's it for me and the crew, Richard. You know, I've just completely like zoned out for a second. Sorry, man. <laughs> and Luke. It's contagious. No, what's going on with my mind? And Crystal. Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> no, don't stop rocking. <laughs> don't stop believing. Hold on to this feeling. <laughs> Okay, so the, uh, the many varied ways that you can contact us are our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com Email at feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com Facebook? Facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast Twitter? At nerdculturecast uh, You can also Skype us uh, on nerdculturepodcast and you can rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget, we also have our Amazon affiliate widget on our website that uh, you can go, use to go through and purchase things through Amazon uh, with your own with your own account. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but we get a, a, a slice of the profits and um, a very small slice, but a slice nonetheless. It makes uh, us happy, and uh, which you know helps us uh, produce the show and uh, various other stuff. But also, it's just it's awesome. So if uh, if you could use that, that would be awesome. And thank you for listening.